Hello, everyone. This is Riddell with Behold the Connection, and thanks for joining me today. So after the last episode, I wanted to do one following that that would be more about getting in front of hitting that wall. Now, this episode does not dismiss the other episode where sometimes the moms just need a break. But this episode is to help us when we can't get that break for a little while or just in daily life when we're experiencing a bit of that burnout, but there's nowhere to go just yet. This is more for in the moment when we can't take those breaks as easily. So this is important. I mean, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. I feel like I grew up hearing that. And so we need that hand to be okay. And, you know, I want to add on to that. You always hear that, like, we need the moms to be okay for the kids. But we, but I always want to yell, we need the moms to be okay for the moms. Like, your life matters too, separate from the kids. If you have kids, yeah, please take care of them. But also take care of you because you're an, a, also a human being living a valuable life. Okay, so commercial time. I have a beautiful and wonderful parenting course that is changing the lives of the people who take it. I have a payment plan, super easy, spread out over 12 months after listening to that request from you. And you can find it at beholdtheconnection.podia.com, P-O-D-I-A. It has 12 modules. So there's a million different ways you can do this. You have access for at least a year and for as long as I run the course. So I might run the course for four years, but you have minimum a year access. So what that means is that you could listen to one module a month. They're each about an hour long. So you could, you know, April 1st, listen to that first module, implement the tools, chew on it, think about it, May 1st, the next one. Or you could make it a 12-week program for yourself where every Sunday or Monday you start your week off right, you're listening to that, you're bolstering up your parenting and your day. So there's a lot of different ways you can do it. And there's people that are on their second or third time listening through it and say that it just helps them so much. So I hope you find the same. I'll also put a link in the show notes. You can just uh, swipe up within the app and find that link. So I recently did some group counseling sessions for com- on the topic of compassion fatigue uh, for psychologists. So what that is, is that after a while of meeting the needs of, of people bringing their problems to you, you hit a wall without um, adequate self-care, which can look like a lot of different things. So you'll see counselors and psychologists sort of become neutral or apathetic to their job. They start showing signs of depression because in addition to all the stories that our brain is offering us about what could go wrong in our life, as a as a psychologist or counselor, you hear all the stories that did indeed go wrong in someone else's life. And that can be a lot. And so there's this piece where this happens for medical doctors too. And when I was teaching the course, there was a teacher actually in the course, a psychologist and a teacher. She was both. And she wanted to express that she experienced this as a teacher on hearing the some of the stories of the kids in her classroom and trying to navigate services and helps for them. And anyways, the point is, if you're in a helper profession, you can definitely experience compassion fatigue. 
And a lot of it mirrors the symptoms of depression and anxiety. And it's just good to know what they say with that is that it's not if you'll hit that wall, it's when. And so there needs to be an awareness around it. Now, why am I saying this? I'm saying this because as I prepared and researched and read papers and learned about this compassion fatigue, I keenly thought, I've experienced this in motherhood. I've 100% experienced this in motherhood. Maybe not to the same degree. Maybe I'm not hearing such traumatic stories, but I have had all these symptoms. I've hit this wall. And so I think it's just good to be aware of how that happens and little things we can do to, to prevent it or to stretch out the time in between when it does happen. So it's just kind of nature to go through a few different phases. And I think it's worth talking about. Um, there's a burnout study um, by Winona State University that has a lot of research behind it. And it does say that, say that the average age of burnout is 32. I kind of feel like that's when people are really trying to get their professional careers going. But also you often have young kids at that time. So let's just talk quickly about the five stages. The first is going to be honeymoon phase. Then there's the onset of stress. Then it turns into chronic stress and then burnout and then habitual burnout. So think about a time in your life with change or new ventures or a new baby or whatever you've added to your family or simply added to your career portfolio and you're undergoing a new task. At first, there is that honeymoon phase. You're really coping well. You've got good coping positive strategies. And if we create really good coping strategies in this phase, and if we're well supported, that's so key, and it doesn't seem to happen in society, then we could continue in this phase pretty indefinitely. I mean, life has good and bad. And so it will never just be all fluff and rainbows. But with a lot of really good support, we can we can stay in this place. In this place, we have high productivity levels. Um, We're satisfied. We're pretty optimistic. We have higher energy. We accept responsibility. We're committed to what we're doing. This reminds me of the first week of homeschool. (laughs) By the second week, I had phase two onset of stress. Ah, okay. So you start finding phase two, your optimism is like waning, you know, you're like, uh, the work is kind of caught up to you in this, uh, in this phase, you'll notice that you maybe don't want to make decisions, you're going to notice some changes in your appetite, or your diet, you're more tired, you're possibly grinding your teeth at night, headaches, you're more irritable, you're going to have a sleep piece. So poor quality sleep, you're not so uh, productive, you can be anxious. I don't know if I said that one already. But you'll start noticing a little bit of some of that, right? It's starting to get hard. It turned the third stage of, of burnout is when it turns into chronic stress. And so there is a marked change in the levels of stress that you're experiencing. And it's on um, a pretty incredibly frequent basis. So you're going to have more intense um, symptoms. And the common ones are lack of hobbies, now kind of have apathy. You you feel threatened and panicked. You feel defensive. You feel a restfulness. You, um, this is a big one. You actually try to socially withdraw from friends or family. 
you start doing more of these escapist activities, which is typically our phone or binging on TV. Um, and, and that goes with that lack of hobbies and apathy piece. Like you just, you kind of have stopped caring about it all. You can have um, more anger, more aggressive behavior, and you can also start uh, increasing your alcohol or caffeine consumption as a way to cope. So that's a sign there. So now let's move into stage four. This is where the symptoms are becoming a lot more critical. This is burnout itself. This is the burnout. Okay. So um, it's key that you intervene at this phase. I was feeling like I was entering this phase when I went to that hotel and took a break. I got in front of it as quick as I could. I noticed that I would wake up with dread for my day. Um, that apathy piece was there, the headaches, the lack of sleep, just things I was not thriving. And it's important to me to take ownership of how I show up in the world. And sometimes that is taking that hard and fast look at what's on my plate and what needs to come off or what thoughts am I thinking that are driving me further into sort of this spin, this victimhood, this blame and shame game. Okay. So common symptoms here are going to be you, you're experiencing behavior changes, personality changes, lots of headaches, stomach and bowel problems, a real strong desire to drop out of, of society. And I saw myself doing this. <laughs> um, that escapist mentality is, is thicker now. You're looking for more hours of the day to escape. You're feeling an emptiness inside. You've got lots of self-doubt going on. Very, very pessimistic outlook on your life. And the future, like it doesn't feel like it'll ever actually be awesome. And you're starting to neglect your personal needs and your personal goals and your health and your mental health. And we're starting to get into that depressed or anxious way of thinking. And I say that that um, assuming that's not typical for you. Okay, so phase five is the habitual burnout. And this is the final stage. And what this means is that the symptoms of the burnout are so integrated into your life that you are going to experience some real significant emotional, physical, mental problems, okay? So this is that chronic mental fatigue, that chronic physical fatigue. It'll translate and transform into a depression and a chronic sadness where you're crying a lot. So what can we do? How do we build up our mental resilience? How do we integrate self-care practice? practices, pardon me. This is the piece, right? This is what we need to infuse throughout the day. And it's annoying to hear because it just sounds like more work. But it is crucial. So when we're looking at building up our mental resilience, resiliency, um, there's a few, there's three steps to that that I'll get to in a second. But before that, um, Here's a few examples. So one thing we do sometimes is we don't accept what is. We want the people around us to be different. We wish that we had different strengths. A big piece of the mental relief that you can offer yourself is accepting what is. These are the people in your life. This is the personality that you have. So we want to view change as part of our life. We want to lean into a big piece on acceptance. And we want to realize that problems are always going to be there. They're going to come and go and that they're a learning piece. And 
to piggyback on that, whenever we have an accomplishment or a good thing that comes our way, we really want to to play that in our mind, to focus on that, to rethink about it. Focusing on the good things that come our way, like our brain will get some traction there and look for more good things. Our brain operates in the direction that we point it. So we do want to practice that optimism and those positive thoughts and search for the joy pieces throughout our day, even if they're really small. So the mental resiliency piece is three things. The first is the well-being. And that's how do how are we feeling? How are we coping with the day-to-day life? Number two is social connections and connecting with um, others, especially if they're in a similar situation to us. So we can have that feeling of camaraderie and being understood, which is really important as a basic human need. And then the third is looking for really effective ways to cope. And this can be treatments, this can be therapy, this can be module two and three of my course, where I really talk about mindset. So that last piece is actively looking for ways to change your brain in positive ways. The first piece, well-being, this is going to be uh, infusing our day with things that make us happy. So there's a thing called behavioral activation that is an extremely effective treatment for depression. And in the most simple form, what that is, is integrating your day with things you like, even when you don't want to do it. (laughs) That is its most simple, simplistic explanation. And so for me, when I was really struggling a while ago, what that looked like was an inside walk on my treadmill an outside walk. I live out in the country, so up and down the driveway or with the horses. And then the third piece was I integrated upbeat music, music that made me happy. In the show notes, there's going to be a list of songs that just instantly make me happy. And you're welcome to grab that. It's a free printable. It really, I cannot emphasize enough how much music helped my well-being, helped to change my mood, helped to change the vibe and energy almost instantaneously. I had overlooked this as a healthy coping mechanism. So this can look different for everyone. This this is going to be very personal, but typically music can go a long way with most people. Movement of some kind is really effective in behavioral activation. And so is looking at activities or hobbies that you used to like and plugging those back into your life. So there is a bit of a loop here. Uh, that takes a while to gain traction in the field of behavioral activation. We know this. So you're not going to want to do these things. And especially the deeper into a rut or depression or depressive feelings that you get, this is the last thing you want to do. But you do need to make a plan and hold yourself accountable and you will gain some traction. There will be a positive feedback loop that happens where you think, wow, I felt better after that. And so you do it again. This is really an effective way to dig yourself out of depression. And there are many studies that show that it's as, if not more effective than medication. That does not mean do not get medication. Go talk to your doctor. I'm just trying to speak to how effective it actually is. And it's so simple. It's worth doing. It's worth doing um, in combination with medication. It's worth doing whether or not you need the medication. Only you can know that and your medical professional, okay? But all of us can benefit from plugging in these behavioral activation pieces. They make such a big difference. Research this if you want to. 
piece two, social connections. Everyone I know is struggling right now in one way or another with burnout. Absolutely everyone I know. And I believe it's because this second piece has made it very hard. You know, we're to connect with others that are in similar situations with us. And where, how, where I live right now, we still can't have people in our home. Like You can get fined. Uh, we can meet outside, but it's also winter, right? It's been hard and it's been hard for about a year. And we are, uh, we are social creatures. Even the least social of us, the introverts still need this connection. You, babies can die without human touch. Human touch actually is extremely important, even as adults. So hug your kids, hug them for six to 10 seconds every day. We massage their feet, massage their hands. We need physical touch. We need social connections. We are meant to be in groups. We are meant to be vibing off one another. And so in whatever way you can, based on where you live and what's allowed, get those connections flowing as much as possible. It is, it is essential. Connection is essential to mental health. It's my whole message on raising kids. It's essential to your family relationships. So it is a, it's just what humans need. And then the last piece is look into other ways to cope. Look into TED Talks that uplift you, maybe while you're on that treadmill. Like I said, module, uh, well, really, one, two, and three of my course are specific to helping set your mindset. I can't recommend it enough. Um, get some therapy. Talk to a wise friend who can validate you, but also just let you feel seen and heard. That's such a human need. So look up things on mental resilience. Look on look up um, mindfulness. Look up burnout prevention. These type of things are going to reduce your stress. They're going to get in front of this um, this piece, this burnout. And I just want to end by saying that burnout's normal. You're normal if you're experiencing this. This happens to everyone at some point in their life, depending on what sort of pressures they have going on. And I cannot tell you how much I related to this compassion fatigue as a mom of young kids. I'm telling you, look up the signs and symptoms of compassion fatigue. And if it is not motherhood of young kids, then I don't know what it is. It really it really is a trying time. It's a time that takes a lot of emotional maturity and mind management and lots of self-care and deep breathing and regulating of ourselves to deal with those toddler tantrums or issues that really, truly, I have a toddler um, podcast coming up soon. There's not a lot you can do about toddler tantrums. It's a developmental thing. And so you have to hold space while they buck it out. That's the truth. So you can see how you burn out, though, after watching lots of bucks a day. So mindset is essential here. Mindset and self-care and getting breaks. Okay, so all I'm trying to say is you're normal. You're normal, and these can be trying times. And we're in very unique, isolated and trying times. We're like within the pit of hell, within a pit of hell. So be kind to yourselves, remind yourself that this is normal, and just think of some things you can integrate. Remind yourself that self-care sort of can't be optional. It needs to be a piece in your life, or you will slam into that wall. And remember, that wall is there for you to rest on. But wouldn't it be nice if we just eased into it instead of slammed into it, you know, because we had some self-care along the way? So you matter. 
your kids matter, and you matter. Have a great day, everyone. Remember to grab that free printable and check out my parenting course. If this helped you, please screenshot and share it. Take care, everyone. Bye. Thank you.